0: Hello. Good evening. Welcome. To. X to the
1: Xennial. How
0: has everybody been?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that you ask them and they can't answer, so that's not helpful.
0: I talk to myself, I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. I listen to uh, Delilah on Santa Fe's, uh. Radio Free Santa Fe. Okay. She has this nightly thing sometimes at like 10 o'clock when I'm coming back from Albuquerque and she yeah. has callers and she's like, thank you so much for listening, callers. And she's got a soothing voice. Nice. She's like, I, I hope you all are doing well. How are you doing? And I'm like, I'm
1: doing great, Delilah. Thanks for asking. <laughs> You're so kind.
0: That's funny. She helps me build myself. There you go. I just talk out loud.
1: Nice. Well, that's lovely. Actually, that kind of fits right into what we were going to talk about. So... Um, just a little bit of our process, uh, when we first started, even considering the podcast, we had talked about, um, just a lot of things and we brainstormed and just wrote stuff down, like stream of consciousness, just like wrote a bunch of stuff. And I was looking at that the other day and it said something like building yourself. Oh. And I was like, okay. Very good. And so that's what I chose. I also, um, was thinking about what has impeded us from building ourselves, or how we got to this place, right? Right. And I think um, it would be interesting to break it down, because last time we talked about goals, and we talked about how you and I uh, accomplish things. Right, how we take care of
0: business.
1: Absolutely. I think
0: build with with building ourselves, I think it's a lot of, for me, the internal messages and self-talk that I'm doing, or even the talk out loud to Delilah. Right. Because it does make... It triggers me to think. that I'm like, am I doing good,
1: though? Right. And I'm on the interstate going nine to five. <laughs> yeah, I am. Well, but I think that, you know, I know for myself, and I... Because you and I have talked a lot about this, I don't think that everyone, especially our listeners, will understand that, you know, even though we're badass bomb bitches right now... Oh, yeah. Like, that's not always who we were. No, that was not. And I think our journey... Um, would be helpful to to people listening because you know they hear us doing this and we talk about our success right i think and and part of that is is that self-talk piece right? right part of it is acknowledging our hard work and how we got to this place but the other piece is we weren't always this confident we weren't always this um aware Right. Of how much our self-talk influences us. And I think even now, I know for myself, when I get depressed or when I get... Because I, I do struggle with... Um, it's not seasonal depression, though it happens in a season that seems like that. When it's dark and cold. Well, see, it's not seasonal for me. For me, it's like the holidays and, and different mm-hmm. things. And I have struggled with depression probably my whole life. But certainly, um, from about November to right around February 1st, it's right. the weirdest thing, but cyclically, that's when it happens for me, Right. where my self-talk gets really negative and, uh, my internal messages are just complete crap and I struggle to just like move through that. Um, and I think now more than anything, it has to do with, uh, my season of work and, right. Usually about August, I start to get a little burned out. Um, I did better this year and didn't have the full burnout crash that I had a couple years ago.
0: Well, I think you had a better self-care plan and implementation. We did a lot of camping in August and September. We did a lot in the fall. It was very like therapeutic, relaxing time for meditation, time for naps, and get out of the city, disconnect from the technology. So that, that
1: helps. I think it definitely helps. I think the other thing that I did this last year was I pay for a membership for, um, a massage oh, once nice. a month and, uh, Aurora Sky, by the way, if you're in Albuquerque, that's a great place to support. They are amazing massage therapists, very, very, uh, skilled and awesome. And it's not that expensive, so... That's um, nice. If you are interested in getting a massage therapy uh, membership, uh, there's nothing wrong with Massage Envy. I'm sure it's fine. But this is a local business and I like supporting local.
0: I love supporting local. I'm gonna yeah. get the, I'll put that in a hashtag at the yeah, end. Please do. we will do that. Well, I think, you know, getting back to what we were talking about with self care, you build resiliency over life and some that self talk uh, through self care. And that's part of the self talk. So maybe this year. The internal dialogues are a little less because you were doing massages and Absolutely. you're having positive self-talk, expressing gratitude to the therapist. Thank you for helping me to feel better. Yeah. You did traveling this year over the holiday. Got I did. Out and went to San Diego. I traveled
1: twice this year, which was really kind of awesome, and I definitely want to implement um, taking two weeks off uh, throughout the year, if not like weekends and longer days. But I think that was an, another big part of it. And so I think all of those things – uh, contribute to managing my depression. I know I get it. I know it happens. I lean into the fact that I'm just going to stay in bed longer. I'm going to, uh, take care of myself. I'm going to spend time with my friends. I'm going to get out and go traveling or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go for a bike ride. Like all of those things help, to manage the depression that happens in that period.
0: Right, you're taking small steps and those small steps are leading to big successes of feeling positive every day through Absolutely. these smaller interventions that you're doing and having those positive thoughts around it. Yeah, yeah. Around it. Um,
1: but I, if that wasn't always the case and I think um, in one of our other podcasts, the Friendship one, I talked about um, having a pretty significant depression when I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, part of A big part of that, and I I definitely want to, for both of us to talk a little bit about this, um, was, uh, my dad died when I was 16, uh, my boyfriend died when I was 18, uh, and then I got pregnant with my daughter, and yeah, it was a constant kind of struggle of, like, one hard thing after another.
0: It's a lot of life change, too, just dramatic life change. A
1: lot of grief, a lot of, um a lot of hopelessness, Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Um, but I think the other piece, and even before, um, you know, my dad and Jerry died, I struggled with self-esteem. I struggled with, uh, body image. Um, I had a pretty significant eating disorder. I think we talked about that. that. Um, so I didn't like myself. Um, and I, I grew up, uh, in a household where there was a lot of anger mm-hmm. and a lot of, uh, you know, my mom did the best she can, she could, she's still alive, uh, with what she had, but she definitely struggled with, um, rage and the, the things that she would say to her kids were abusive. Right. Um, and so I, there was a physical abuse in my, when I was younger, when I got older, There was less of that, but then it was more uh, psychological and emotional um, abuse. And so one of the things, I went to therapy, I'm all over the place, but um, I've been to therapy several times for different reasons, Uh, different therapists, and and I got a lot from every one of them. Um, And I worked a lot on my my mom's stuff when I was in my late 20s, but um, my mom lived with me recently in the last she's been gone from my house for a year so she lived with me for a year and a half
0: yeah
1: um and so it triggered a lot of my stuff right um which happened like right around the same time as i was separating from my husband and i was trying to figure out my life by myself which i'd never been alone I mean, right. literally never lived by myself, never been 100%. Autonomous. Yes. And um, and so when you talk about that resilience, what I know to be true in clients is, sorry, um, is that I see in clients this amazing ability to work through their stuff. Right. Um, but they don't always see that, right? Right. And so it's not until they do start to see that themselves and start to feel confident and start to feel good about themselves, do they then change their self-talk, manage their symptoms and move forward with their life. But
0: how does that all start? What's the, what's the chicken and what's the egg? Do we start with a self-talk? Do we start with, and, and so and how everybody's journey is different.
1: Everybody's journey is different. Um, I think for me, the self-talk is a big piece. Um, so the reason I was telling that story about my mom and the abuse is a lot of my internal messages, um, were about worth and value and being able to be loved and being enough, even just being worthy outside of what I can provide to another person. Right. Um, because I, I helped to raise my siblings, um, and maintain a household. And certainly after my dad died, uh, I had a lot of responsibility. That's I had a lot right. of responsibility anyway, being the oldest child. Yes. Um, but I had a lot of responsibility, so I was always doing for other people. Right. That's where my code D came from. Right. My codependency came from that role that was given to me. It wasn't a choice. It was like... Here are your siblings. I, I remember being 10 and my mom handing me an infant because she was going to go to church. And she was like, here, take your sister. Um, you <laughs> Do know, something I was, with this. Right? I was cooking. keeping clean and not crying. Yeah. I mean, I was cooking and I was taking care of kids since I was 10.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so here I am doing all these things. And then my mom would say things like, I was worthless. Right. And... So that stuck. Right. And so, one of my bigger self talk, negative bitch in my head things is that I'm worthless. I am not worth anything unless I am giving 100% of myself to the point where I am depleted.
0: Outside, and even maybe outside your capacities.
1: Absolutely. Maxed out.
0: Absolutely. Extreme.
1: Um, So, that's where that message kind of came from. I know that. Um, but, so
0: what do you do to combat that message when that little bitch pops up in your head? And
1: that bitch only pops up when I'm depressed, right? It only She's pops dead. up when I'm already vulnerable. It okay. comes up every once in a while. Um, the other one is that there's, <laughs> there's something wrong with me. Um, and so I combat that often with fact-checking.
0: Right.
1: So I'm often uh, looking at my worth and value... Outside of what I can do for people, what kind of human I am, what my characteristics are, what what my character is. Right, right. Do you ever make a list? Do you
0: ever write that down? I do that. I do that about myself, and I do that actually about other people. That's interesting. Like a big, I know. <laughs> well, tell me more about that. So about people's character, because shitty things happen between human beings, right? Yep. We get in a fight with our best friend. We come to a disagreement at work with someone. We can't reach a consensus on something, you know, in another domain or facet in our life. Or we have
1: a breakup or we have uh, changes and loss and we question how we contributed to that. If we're doing it right, but like that self-awareness comes from that. So tell me more about writing a list. So
0: I write a list because I want to get over the blame mm-hmm. for the other, you know, beca- because we get angry, right? So I yep. get angry and I'm like, oh, they're stupid asshole. This is bullshit. And yeah. I you know, all the cusses and all the rage and anger or the frustration. And and one of the ways that I've actually gotten to really combat that, I've become a very, like, chill person is yeah. I, like, instead of going into that rage out of, like, fucking asshole douchebag on, you know, won't listen to me at work or won't listen to me at the gym or this is unfair and, and feeling victimized. Yeah. Um, by my circumstances that I'm around, I just look more at the character of the person. Like, the, this person doesn't suck. They've done this positive thing. They're a great person. They work great with kids. Yeah. They're a great communicator. They're very kind to me. They share a with me. Nice. You know, they've done these things. This is just a circumstance, an instant, and in, in one point in time, that sucks. Yeah. And that calms me. Good. It calms me down to not build resentment or hold on to these things over yes. time. You know, I have my little cry or my little episode where it's fr- that's driven by frustration in the moment and that needs to i have that immediacy of all oh, the surge of rage yeah. you know I, I can't combat my chemistry in my <laughs> body i'm gonna you know turn off my adrenaline that doesn't happen right so what you I, work through it but i work through it and then i move past it yeah. so i don't hold on to a lot of things because people will try to bring things up like remember when we got in that disagreement about blah blah and i'm like no, I actually really don't like. Right? What are you even talking about? Like, what? Why are we bringing this up? Because I've looked at those positive things and what lessons I was learning in that moment. Yes. Um. Because I, I and I don't. I I think this. I really started focusing on on changing the, that message. And again, you know, looping back into that's. Uh, internal self-talk you know it's also externalizing yes
1: but you're also moving yourself from the victim right to a different place of resilience and i think that's a big piece of resilience is empathy right so i teach empathy a lot i teach teenagers empathy because they don't know they're not getting that message somewhere um and it's funny because we're born with the capacity for empathy and we, we all have it. Absolutely. But
0: zero 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 six percent of the population in a sociopath.
1: And they have no empathy and they actually don't know how to do it. It does not work in their brain. Exactly. Um, I was
0: just listening to a TED talk on that today. It was amazing.
1: It's really interesting because when we think about the capacity for empathy or connecting with another person and recognizing the positive, um, we are we are innately able to do it. We see it in children. As young as six months, because they can identify uh, emotion based on the face. Right. And you will see babies, little babies, six months, um, smiling and cooing, and then they get that back from their caregiver or even strangers. Like, I don't like children, we know this, but if I see a baby (laughs) and they're cute and smiling, I... Have to smile back, like I'm just like, oh my god, it's, you're so cute.
0: It's a reflex, right?
1: But but that's our our capacity for empathy. Or and when, when
0: you see a baby crying, do you go, oh, make the sad face, like, oh, poor thing. No, I do. That's
1: their parents' job. <laughs> um, well,
0: because I want them to stop crying. It's <laughs> sad.
1: But I think that when, what you're doing, when you are empathizing with the other person and making them human, humanitizing, that's not I'm humanizing. Humanizing, thank you. Uh, You're humanizing them so that you're not the victim of their bad choices. Exactly. You are recognizing, one, you are having an emotional reaction. Yes, you can validate and honor that. But also, you're not the victim of them.
0: Right. Because it's not coming from their character. It's the circumstance and the blip on the radar of the time. Exactly. It's it's a moment in time. Move past it. And I think that that's really important for resiliency, but also to build ourselves up. Yes. Because if I were to stay in this, like, oh, you forgot to do this. in my like, And you're doing this to me. Right. Or even at work. Like, oh, you forgot to do this. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. And I have the emotional freak out. And I drop the ball because I'm total neurotic type a perfectionist i'm like how oh, did i forget to do this my world is ending i'm yes. in crisis you know i if i if i didn't have these skills i could internalize and be like oh that douchebag some people do this oh yeah. that douchebag the gaslight is this gaslighting called me out i'm not doing my job they're a piece of shit instead i'm like look at you know their character what a kind awesome person for like pointing this out before i looked like a complete piece of crap in yes. that meeting and wasn't prepared yes like they had my back oh my gosh I don't know. I think it's just really interesting how we all are perceiving things. Because I worked in an, an environment where everyone, if you just say, like, hey, I noticed, blah, blah, they just die. Right. Just explode. There was rage. Didn't talk to you for two weeks. Passive aggressiveness. All the negative things. Absolutely. And I was like, no, I'm just working with you as a team. And I think maybe some of where this developed, too, is I've always worked on systemic teams and teams to support students and yeah. children and families and... In those ways, but also, too, having to develop resiliency to maintain relationships within my own family and, mm-hmm. and friendships and things of that nature. But having that positive self-talk and right working and through that. Absolutely,
1: but also myself. looking at... But I think that you have a valid point when you talk about working in systems and and not... I mean, systems specific to our families, right? Because I think in both of our families, we were fixers. Mm -hmm. um, So much so that with our codependency, we would just, like, kick into this place of... um, i got to fix it all. i got
0: to take care of everything. If I don't, the world's going to collapse, and I won't be loved because I'm not enough, and it's so sad.
1: (laughs) Well, you say that, and I giggle, but that's actually the feeling. That's what it is. When you're a kid... um, You don't know that this moment isn't permanent.
0: Right. This is your environment. This is what you're in for the foreseeable future. And time goes by so slowly when you're a kid. It does. It took forever to turn 18, and I'm turning 37. And that, (laughs) between 18 to 37, has been so fast.
1: Well, and that's that's the other part, is I think that we get stuck um, in that feeling, right? Our nervous systems... When we talk about PTSD or triggering or anxiety or any of right. that, it's our nervous system. And our nervous system doesn't have a brain, right? right. We have a brain and, and we're able to cerebrally process things, but our nervous system, our cerebellum, um, it, it just reacts to things. It's automatic,
0: autonomic.
1: Right. And our autonomic nervous system responds to that feeling, that right. very feeling of if I don't fix this, I will not be loved. Right. And that is significant for clients who grow up in trauma. Right. Now, I can say that my childhood compared to other childhoods was not that bad. Right. But it was bad for me as a child.
0: Right. Your experience. You had a negative experience because that was your experience, your individual experience. And sure. you were going through. Yeah. You can't compare my life, this life, my no. life's worse. That's... That's very not. That's pervasive thinking. When people do that, they're very settled into that victim mentality. Of but the, I
1: do, I do want you to think of how that creates shame, right? Because everyone's journey is their own, and it creates the human that you are today. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, in my experience with the work that I do, people get through the most horrendous of things. They do, and 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 that's not to quantify one thing to another it's it is what it is right and when we go through trauma whatever that looks like it creates a response from ourselves and so oftentimes what we forget as adults which is why I love working with adults is that we were able to get through our childhoods right and learn things both good and bad positive Using and negative absolutely
0: survival skills and some of them were not healthy Right. But it was how we coped at the time because that's the only way we knew how to do it. Exactly. Maybe that's pervasive across lifespan and isn't working out so well, henceforth they're in your office. Right. You know, or I'm implementing supports. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah.
1: But that, that that negative thinking about our trauma or whatever is is growing us mm-hmm. um then does bring a lot of shame. And I think that you and I have talked a lot, and certainly Brene Brown shame, vulnerability, all the things. Right. That shame piece is significant, specific for anxiety. Right. And I know that you and I both struggle with anxiety. And it's and, bad and thing. well right. I'm a tightly loud person. I do well, have a plan. I do too, and I'm I'm a lot better, but there are certain things where I still have Panic attacks, mm-hmm. where I struggle with, um, you know, you and I will talk about the fact that I, even driving up here, like I passed the Walmart and I got the the shivers. you got the cringes? I don't like a mall. I don't like Walmart. I don't like being around that many people for different reasons, but I have anxiety about it to the point that I will leave a place if there's no parking.
0: Wow. Yeah, because you know that there's going to be a lot of people in there and you're like, nope, don't want to do this. But that's great self-care right there. You've identified, you know, hey, this is going to trigger some stuff in me that, and it's going to feel uncomfortable. And I really just don't want to interact or engage in this right now. Yeah. So.
1: I mean, and the idea of even every once in a while I think about, like, I could just pack up my practice and go work for somebody. And then I'm like, fuck that. No, thank you. I love working for myself. Right. And. And I, it's funny because up until a few years ago, I didn't have the confidence to be able to say, oh, I just run a business, like, it's fine. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I did not have the confidence to be able to do that. Right. I would say, I got my master's degree, I started my master's degree 10 years ago in uh, 2009, and Even doing that was still a challenge, but one of the things that I learned um, when I was working on my master's was just really validating how smart I am.
0: Right? That's hard for me to do.
1: It's hard for a lot of people to do. And one of their triggers for anxiety, and specifically when they're in relationship with people, is that negative self-talk that says you're an idiot. I don't have that. But... But some people do. And when you have that trigger, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even, it's oftentimes it's validating for, it's getting the validation from other people. So if somebody is saying something to you, and like you said, you have a panic attack or freak out when you did something wrong or right. made a mistake. Right. You, your self-talk may not say, I'm an idiot, but it may say, I make mistakes.
0: Right. Well, I just, my self-talk says, oh shit, better fix that.
1: Yeah. But I, you know, some people have that. And, right. and for me, um... Because I, I was always identified as, like, gifted or really smart, blah, blah, blah. But I never felt it, you know. And my grades didn't reflect it, certainly in, like, middle school and high school. Because my parents put so much pressure on me to do a thing that I just didn't want to do it. And it is my nature that if I am pressured to do a thing, I'll do the fucking opposite. okay.
0: See, I'm, I'm the I'm opposite. Mm-hmm. When I'm pressured to do something, I do it, and then I knock it out of the park. Like, 125. I'm like, pressure me to do this. Put more on my
1: plate. Challenge me to, yes. So do you self-sabotage in other aspects?
0: Oh, I have, like, the worst procrastination <laughs> on shit. It's insane.
1: Okay. Uh, okay. That's,
0: that's my my thing right there. I like building the tension and anxiety. That's how I thrive sometimes. I gotta update my passport. For like two and a half years now, I'm going on a trip in June. I need that passport done. I'm just building the tension. I'm gonna get it done. All the stuff's right behind you to do it.
1: You're also gonna have to pay more the longer you wait. I know. Okay. I'm terrible. But you're not terrible.
0: Exactly.
1: But that might but, be part of your self-talk.
0: Right. That's the self-talk with the procrastination because I feel terrible for procrastinating, but then I always reason and rationalize it out. So I'm like, nah, not nah, terrible. Making a poor choice, and you're gonna have to pay 300 extra dollars to get that expedited
1: if you don't get on it,
0: Missy. So, you have to set a deadline. So, I set a deadline, so I'm working.
1: But I think that's the other thing is that our self talk can be subtle. Right. Even just saying, I'm terrible, right? Right. I I do it, I don't do it as badly now, but and because I've been working for years on my self talk, but there are a couple glitches that stick. And I and I so I want our listeners to pay attention. And certainly with my clients, I teach them different self-talk techniques. Um, and so part of it is when I hear them, because our negative self-talk that comes out of our mouth is only one fifth of all the things we say in our head. Right,
0: brain is always going chattering, chattering, chattering. And the
1: bitch in our head that says things like you don't deserve this, you're not going to get it, it's not good for you, you're an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, There's those problems. aren't the things that are coming out of our mouth, but then there are things, and I like I said, about one-fifth of what comes out of our mouth, right. specific to ourselves, is that negative. You know, self-talk. Right. The other thing is that we do not... Is it not... better
0: to get the negative self-talk out like I did, I'm terrible, or to internalize it like, oh, I'm terrible. I think that's worse for me, because then I'll ruminate on it. Yeah, the I'll internal is
1: it. worse for it's you. It's definitely
0: just better to throw that out there and then deal with it.
1: Well, catch it and then change the message. Like process it. Be right. Be like,
0: yeah, I'm really not. Let's rationalize
1: it. But the other thing that happens and, and, and stops our resilience or stops our growth or, or our building of ourselves is that we don't allow compliments. We don't allow good things to come to us because we doubt what other people are saying or how they are, um, perceiving us. Right. And that is a bigger and more, um, more of a significant obstruction to being able to feel good about yourself, being able to feel confident. I work with a lot of clients who just do not allow that message in. They just don't. Because for whatever reason they're stuck in that victim place. Right. They're stuck in that the world is against me and nothing will change and everyone has All these expectations. Being worthless. Yep. I don't
0: deserve this. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough to deserve this. I'm not this enough to deserve yep. whatever that is that external reward. Yeah. System. It's rough.
1: It is. So, tell me a little bit about your journey to be the bomb-ass bitch that you are now. How'd you get there?
0: Oh, because I'm competitive. Okay. I don't know. There's a lot of things. It's a multifaceted issue. I'm a yeah. shining diamond. Um, so, I grew up. Uh, my mom was a single parent for a long time. Dad left when my brother was like six months old. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did the best she could, um, there were, like, instances in my life, we lived in pretty extreme poverty, so I was pretty impoverished growing up. Um, so I was taught the work ethic, right, and so in learning the work ethic, though, that was the, that was the hard sadness of of what I learned was even when you work hard, you don't get things, mm. and tough shit, suck it up, life's a bitch until you die, right. and my mom would say that all the time when I was a kid, oh my goodness, I think I remember the first time, I was like 8 or 10 years old, she's like, well, life's a bitch and then you die, and just her, that's her shark off, right, that's yeah. her coping, but I was like, man, I'm going to work so hard the rest of my life and try to be so good and try to be so enough and nothing's ever going to work out for me.
1: Because life's a bitch and then you die. Because
0: life's a bitch and then you die. So, and then I saw a lot, you know, go on throughout my early adolescence. You know, my mom was uh, with someone who was abusive, so had some, you know, uh, some some stuff there. Yeah. Um, And then I got a really great stepdad when I was 10, and that was really fantastic, and things in my life really changed. But at one point, my mom and my brother and I lived in a trailer with another woman and her son. So, mm-hmm. like, just pretty pretty tough and mom doing the best she could she didn't want to go on social services so Mm -hmm. she she really worked hard to not have that happen yeah um but looking around and seeing that other kids at school weren't living this way or other homes weren't this way I started Mm -hmm. getting these messages of like something's different with my family and something's different maybe and wrong with me um and then went into teenagehood Uh, had my family, all of that, and I was a very chunky kid, so I, what we
1: know now was your insulin, insulin resistance, resistance,
0: yes, so, which nobody ever did a test for that to help me out, sure, um, but learned it, lived it, know how to control it, it's awesome, like very, I feel very fit and healthy now, but, uh, just got that yeah, that's what I was going to, yeah that message though being a chunky kid every time i went to the doctor you know they'd weigh you and be like well she, you got to feed her less and she's got to exercise more so i grew up in every sport i was in softball i was in soccer i was in competitive swimming i was in cross country i was in track i took pe as an elective wow i was constantly in chronic and i loved loved it like it's yeah. really great for me it helped me work out a lot of things it turned me to be able to be on teams and communicate with people, so a lot of really great things, but I yeah. still like the chunky kid trying to huff her ass up and down the field yeah. and keep up with the, you know, the track team and all the things, and so I got a message really early on. I would say in the fifth grade, um, I can remember um, being teased and bullied in the fifth grade, About my weight and being ugly, and so my message my whole life was that I'm not attractive, Mm. I'm not beautiful, and then therefore I'm not worthy of things that other beautiful people receive and get in their lives, so that was a struggle for me up until my 30s. Wow. And being like, well, I'm not. Oh, and so compliments. You were saying compliments earlier. Those are so hard for me to receive. I'm learning to receive them, yeah. and I feel awkward all the time. I'm like, oh, why do you think I'm pretty? Shut up! I can't <laughs> even. I don't even know what to do. Yeah. Um. So, but a lot of that was I reinforced that self talk. I'd look in the mirror, and I know I talk about it a lot now. I'm like, fix yourself. Stare in the mirror. Find your beautifulness. Because those are the things I did to get my confidence and. To feel good That's about that. That's part of how you
1: built yourself up.
0: Absolutely. And, and instilled that confidence. And one of the things that I'd said my whole life was, I know I'm a really beautiful person on the inside, and I want my insides to match my outside. Mm. And that was always a goal that I was trying to work towards and didn't quite understand, like I said, until my 30s, how to figure that out. But it put a lot of shame. I had a lot of shame about how I looked. There were years that went by in my late 20s when I was not in any pictures. Yeah. Just couldn't, couldn't handle it. And I was like, yes, I'm... I'm it's It's worse. It's worsening. Um, But yeah, so that's one of my... I'm going to cry. I
1: feel sad now. But I do want you to think about how who you are today right. and looking back at, at that young woman who was struggling and had a hard time right. with herself and I love that you said that. Like you you do. You you and you're not vain about it.
0: Right.
1: I can be pretty vain and be like, I'm fucking gorgeous and I love a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Never met a mirror I didn't like. <laughs> um but I I can relate to that feeling and so thinking about, you know, the young woman in her twenties who struggled with feeling worthy and beautiful and deserving right and the fact that you're allowing yourself to do that now speaks to your ability not just the resilience to be able to move from that but even to get to the place where you can be positive to yourself to say the things that you need so that you can get through a rough day
0: and be my best friend. I'm finally on my own team, yeah. and, and I and I learned too because then I had like a big moment in my later later 20s, and it was like this is who I am. Yeah, this is what I look like, and it was when I was my biggest, my heaviest. Nothing was working. I was working with a diabetes nutritionist at the time because I got type two diabetes um, from being so overweight because the insulin resistance and mm-hmm. all of that stuff, um, and. And it was just, yeah, I don't know. I was like, this is who I am, and you've got to learn to love yourself.
1: And we had talked about that in our body positivity or body acceptance. Absolutely,
0: and that was a big changing point for me. Um, The self-talk in my head changed. It was like, okay, you cannot keep hating yourself. Because that bled into so many other things of me not being good enough. I wasn't good enough at work. I wasn't a good enough family member. I wasn't a good enough friend. I wasn't a good enough, I was married at the time. I wasn't a good enough wife. I wasn't a good enough daughter-in-law. I wasn't good enough. And then there were still messages coming in from all places. Like, yeah, you're not good enough. Like, my mother-in-law was notorious on it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't smart enough. It was. She was the reinforcement of all those negative things that I... She was, like, the embodiment of the bitch in the. head. Of the bitch in my head. Yeah. So traumatizing. But, yeah, I think that, you know, at my heaviest, that's when I just was like, this needs to stop. This is, like so unhealthy and you're not having fun in life and you're not living a life so accept yourself and work on it and so that started with the positive self-talk yeah you know like okay look in the mirror you have really pretty hair yeah
1: find something you, you like. have
0: really pretty hair your eyes are really pretty start finding these things that you really like and a lot came through figuring out what was going on with me medically and finally being like oh my gosh this isn't my fault yeah this isn't my fault. And that was hugely relieving. And once I had that confirmation of this isn't my fault and this is how you can fix this. Yes. Then that self-talk became easier and mm-hmm. easier. And the messages are positive. And you were letting go of the shame. And I was letting go of the shame. Yeah. And that, so those are breakthrough moments, you know, in my life of, you know, cultivating in a young age with a lot of things that went on in my household, you know, and then that message continuing to be reinforced. And then, Finally,
1: able to let all that go. It's amazing. So That's really incredible. And so I, I think about that and I, I you know I do recognize, you know, we we are at this amazing place in our lives where we can be present and focused on creating the life that we want. Mm-hmm. Right. And you and I talk a lot about like manifesting and, and just kind of uh setting goals and doing things um expressing gratitude absolutely I'm
0: so grateful for what happened to me throughout my life it made me the person who I am today I have this capacity to love people I have this capacity to show up I have a humbleness about me I I don't think I'm haughty or arrogant sometimes I'll joke and sound that way but it's not my genuine person I think I have great characteristics and that's how we open this up, up earlier in the session about characteristics. I sit down and I identify my good characteristics as well as other people's good characteristics. Right. That's the real person, that's the genuine person. Um that we need to be looking at as our genuine selves and, and reflecting upon that to work on on again building ourselves. Yep. to
1: eliminating shame. And and to really recognizing like you know, everyone's struggle is their own. And the capacity for empathy to recognize that everyone has a struggle really makes a difference when we are having a shitty day. And, and, and not to say that there aren't assholes because good Lord, the fucking planet is chock full of them. Uh, but what I have learned and what I continue to learn is that most assholes are just damaged people. Assholes need love, too. Well, everyone needs love. Not everyone needs mine. (laughs) Um, But I think that having that awareness that, you know, yes, there have been times where we have been victims of a lot of different things. Um, Certainly loss and grief and pain and trauma. We've had our share. Mm -hmm. And that's not to minimize the struggles of people. And to say that you know they they don't they don't deserve you know to have a good life, a lot of times that is part of the message internally for my clients is that they don't deserve to have a good life because shit keeps happening. Well, here's the deal, pumpkin. Shit
0: happens to everyone,
1: and shit will keep happening. And it
0: will. It's just you gotta get yourself in a place where you can say, okay, that shit happened. What's the game plan? What are my next steps? I was I, after my divorce, I was homeless. Yeah. I hear I had a master's degree, and I was in a bundle of student loan debt for getting that, and I was getting divorced. I had nothing, and I was homeless, and I had a car and a job. Yep. And I was like, okay, I have it better than some people do. Yep. I got an education to fall back on. I have a job. I have a vehicle to get me to that job. Okay, figure this out. Reach yeah. out to somebody. Figure this out.
1: Do something. Yeah, and you did. And I did. And and that's the thing is, and, and I tell my clients often, You know, because they struggle, and and we all do, to see how we got to this place, right? And then how do we make it different moving forward? Part of my job, the biggest piece, is to reflect for them what they cannot see. And I do that every day, not just with clients. I think I do that in life, Mm -hmm. and I do it for myself. You know, I do it for the, you know, the 20... 22 year old on the bathroom floor who just could not imagine getting up if I could go back in time to tell her that it gets better right and not just now I'm gonna get emotional not just that it gets better but I have the capacity to change it right to say your life is amazing hang in there get up off this floor. And find something to live for. And then I did. And I continue to every every day. And I look at my life today, and I am astounded that I've been able to create this. I am astounded and so grateful for everyone along the way who loved me, even when I thought I didn't deserve it. And I'm willing to give that every day to the people that I love. Because I get it back.
0: Yeah.
1: And I continue to be grateful. I continue to say, you got another day in you. And at this point, I honestly look at my life and I'm like, holy shit. Like, every day for me now is a bonus. Every day after the last time I thought I couldn't get up off the bathroom floor.
0: It's just gotten better and better for you.
1: Every day. Every day. And I stand at the precipice of fucking 47. I turn 47 next week. Next month. Not next, next month. week. I was
0: like, no, you Your birthday's
1: first and then my birthday. It's <laughs>
0: not before mine.
1: But I, I I'm grateful now. Right. For every aspect of that. And so if I can give that to a client, and I I told a client today. I said, here's one thing you're good at, getting up, because you will fall. We all fall. Right. You have hit the rock bottom. I have seen the bottoms of a lot of lives, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: then I see them get up.
0: Right.
1: And I am so grateful to be able to be witness to that.
0: Right.
1: And there we are. Finished another one.
0: We are out of time.
1: <laughs>
0: How does the time go by so quickly? We're looking
1: good at this. <laughs> so,
0: thank you so much for listening, everyone.
1: Absolutely. Thank you again for all of our listeners. If you have questions, um, if you want to communicate with us, X to the Zenial, the letter X, the number 2, T-H-E-X-E-N-N-I-A-L, at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Instagram. Uh, thank you so much, To listen, thank you for listening to us and thank you for giving us this opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Go out, manifest what you want. Get up. Get up. You're going
1: to fall. Falling happens. Get up.
0: Get up. Have a good night.